Someone said that the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. I have never met anybody who does not appreciate being appreciated. Uh, I just haven't met them yet. Uh, In fact, children and adults alike all crave appreciation. Children and adults alike all get feeling hurt when they don't receive appreciation. Now, I have met people who don't know how to express appreciation. I've met those. I've met people who um, actually refuse to express appreciation because out of fear that the other person might be filled with pride or get swollen head. Don't worry about it. You express your appreciation. God takes care of them. I have met all kinds of people. I've met people who actually pretended that they don't want or need appreciation. And the operative word here is pretend. Because the truth is this. There is nothing wrong with giving and receiving appreciation. It is thoroughly biblical. It is God-like. It is biblical to express appreciation. It is biblical to receive appreciation. It is God-like to express and receive appreciation. But like everything else, there is always the danger of extremes. Always. In everything. In every area. There's always the danger of extremes. Uh, For example, some people may get bent out of shape completely because somebody forgot or failed to express appreciation, and boy, the world has come to an end. Now, that's extreme. And that's, in fact, maybe even bordering on sickness. But that's what I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the normal, biblical expressing and receiving appreciation. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about extremes. In fact, I was thinking about extremes several years ago. I read this story. It was published in the Fort Lauderdale, Florida newspapers about the man who planned his own funeral. But not only that, he attended it live and well. He came to church riding in the back of a hearse. Truly. (laughs) Then he sat in front of the church, surrounded with all the flowers, listening to people saying all these nice things about him. And finally, at the end of the service, the press was asking him questions. Here's what he said. I quote you what he said. He said, well, it serves no purpose for people to say these good things about you after you're dead. (laughs) He can't hear them anyway. Now, that's what I call extreme. That's extreme. In fact, I saw a poem that was pinned by an unknown author. It goes something like this. You'll like it. It says, say it now. And I think will express what I'm trying to say. It says, I would rather have one little rose from the garden of a friend than to have the choicest of flowers when my stay on earth must end. I would rather have a pleasant word in kindness said to me than flattery when my heart is still and life has ceased to be. I would rather have a loving smile from friends I know are true than tears shed around my casket when this world I bid adieu. Bring me all your flowers today, whether pink, white, or red. I would rather have one blossom now than a truckload when I'm dead. (laughs) I think the need for expressing appreciation and receiving appreciation is thoroughly biblical. And don't get hung up on all those people who take that to extreme. The Bible says, for example, give honor to whom honor is what? Due. That's thoroughly biblical. The Bible said that the laborer is worthy of his hire. It's thoroughly, I can go on and give you verse after verse, but I'm not going to do that. I don't have the time. 
Because today we're going to see that the eleventh secret for the power of positive living is all about God's appreciation for His generous children. A Danish philosopher once said that ingratitude is always a form of weakness. I have never known truly a strong person, he said, to be ungrateful. And I thought if this is the case, then God must be the strongest of all, (laughs) because He is the one who gives us all things. He is the one who provides us with everything. He is the one who lavished all blessings upon us, and yet the Bible said from cover to cover that God does not let one small act of sacrifice on the part of His generous children goes unappreciated and unrewarded by God. Think about it. Just think about it. It blows my mind at times when I allow myself really to focus on this. And somebody comes to me and he gives me a million dollars. I turn around, I take a few tens of thousands, another hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, and I give it back. And this person who just gave me the million dollars said, Oh, thank you very much. I am glad you did this. This is great. You know what? You've done a wonderful thing. I said, Wait a minute, wait a minute. You just gave me more money than I'm going to see in a lifetime. What do you mean you're thanking me? You're thanking me for doing this? You're applauding me for doing this? You tell me that well done for doing this? This is nothing in comparison to what you have done to me. Oh, how so much like God that is. How can he think of rewarding me when I do something so little, when he had given me everything? Oh, but that's God. That's God. Listen to me. When you truly understand, when you can begin to comprehend this, when you focus on it, when you stop letting all the junk of the world getting your attention, and when you focus on that God appreciates the generosity and the sacrifice of His generous children, it becomes overwhelming. It really becomes overwhelming. And so I want you to turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6. You remember chapter 8? Because there we saw that secret number 10 was getting through giving. And here Paul comes in, in chapter 9, building on that. He says, God not only appreciates His generous children, not only that He appreciates the generous givers, but He rewards them. Verse 6, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully also reap bountifully. Paul is writing to an agrarian society, and they understood exactly what he's talking about. And he is saying, look, if you scatter the seed on the ground when you're planting in abundance, you're going to get a bumper crop. But if you're chinching and you drip a little bit and drip, 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 you're going to get an anemic crop. (laughs) That's what you're going to get. And he takes that and applies it to giving in terms of giving back to God. You know, there's a story comes from the Orient. I don't know how true it is, but I read it many years ago about potato farmers. One day they decided that they're going to eat all the big potatoes and they're going to keep the small ones for seed. Well, they kept doing this year after year, year after year. Guess what happened? They began to produce potatoes the size of marbles. Oh, what a horrible lesson to learn. 
It took them a few years, but then when they woke up, it was too late. And the Apostle Paul is saying exactly that here. He said, learn this devastating lesson. And here's secret number 11 for the power of positive living. Here's what Paul telling the Corinthians. Please hear me right on this. The harvest that they will receive is in direct proportion to the seed that they have sown. That God's depth of appreciation for His generous children is in proportion to their giving back to Him. That God's purpose for blessing the generous believers will unfold in their life as they practice this principle of generous giving. How is God going to express gratitude? He gave us everything. How is He going to express His gratitude to His generous children? Well, there are four things right here in the text. In verse 7, he said, God is going to express His appreciation to His generous children by having a soft spot for them. Verse 7. Secondly, he said, God is going to express appreciation to His generous children by providing for their every need. Not just financial needs, but every need. Look at verses 8 all the way to 11. Thirdly, he said, God will be glorified in and through His generous children, verses 11 to 13. And finally, fourthly, he says that God will answer the prayers that are offered on their behalf, verses 14 and 15. Isn't that exciting? Look at it in the text. God will have a soft spot in His heart for His generous children. Verse 7, For God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. You see, God loves the world in general. We know that. John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We know that God loves His own children in a higher level of love, in a deeper level of love. In John chapter 13, verse 16, The Bible said those whom he loved, he loved to the end. But here, he says God reserves his highest, his best. He reserves his softest spot in his heart for the generous, cheerful giver. You cannot imagine greater expression of gratitude from God than the fact that he has a soft spot in his heart for the cheerful giver. There is no promise like it. As I said, we all crave appreciation. We all like to be appreciated. But the truth is, I'm going to level with you. There are some people's appreciation to us more significant to us, more important to us than others. We crave the appreciation of a spouse. We crave the appreciation of a son or daughter, father or mother, those whom we revere, those whom we respect, those whom we hold high in our lives. Their appreciation for us is a whole different category from the rest of the world. They are very special, and their appreciation for us is far more meaningful. Just think about it. Think about this, what it means for the God of heaven, for the God of heaven, expressing appreciation to you and to me. 
I'm telling you, there is no sweeter thing. There can be no more uplifting thought. There can be no more thrilling knowledge than hearing that God has a soft spot for you. He has a soft spot. He's appreciating His cheerful givers. Because, beloved, let me tell you something. This is incomparable. You cannot compare it. It is indescribable. You can give money to all the good causes and all the nice things and all the political activities, but nothing like giving back to God, to the work of God, and then realizing that God has a soft spot for you because of that. This is indescribable. This is exhilarating. So who are the cheerful givers? Who are the cheerful givers? Those whose giving to God comes from the heart and not from obligatory feeling. Those whose giving to God is systematic and joy-filled and not begrudging. The cheerful giver are those whose giving to God is with determination and with commitment, not under compulsion. Those are the cheerful givers. And God says, I show my appreciation to the cheerful giver. God loves the cheerful giver. Secondly, God shows His appreciation to His generous children. How? By abundantly providing for their every need. For their every need. How many of you think that you can give, but you don't necessarily love the person? Come on, I want you to be honest. I'm raising my hand. I can give without necessarily loving, right? But I want to tell you something else. I promise you, I promise you, nobody can love without giving. Nobody. It's impossible that you say, I love without giving. It is an impossibility. You see, God gives His Son to the believers, but He uniquely blesses the cheerful giver. Look at verse 8. In one verse, all, all, all. What is Paul saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying that God's gracious giving is limitless, that God's gracious giving is off the chart, that God's gracious giving cannot be measured, that God's gracious giving beggars description. Why is that? Why is that? Because when you give to God, the eyes of sight, the natural man says, now I have less because I gave. I've got less. Isn't that true? God knows that. That's the eye of sight. That's the world. That's secular. That's nature. But the eyes of faith says, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. That's not the case at all. When I give to God, I'll have more, not less. It's more, not less. You say, Michael, I know you flunked math. How can that be? I may have flunked math, but let me tell you something. I know this true math here. Listen to me. If you say, well, that's impossible. How can I have more when I've got less? If you say that, that means, beloved friend, you're still living in the world of possible, and you're not living in the impossible. 
And God has deep appreciation toward those who live in the world of faith, in the world of the impossible, instead of the world of sight, and the world of possible. Let me give you an illustration. There are two five-dollar bills here. That's all I've got, right? What do I do? God, you bless me. I'm so overwhelmed with your blessing. And I start counting my blessings, and I get overwhelmed, as you know, I easily can do that. So, Lord, I'm going to give one. Now, the non-cheerful giver said, boy, what did I do that for? (laughs) Did I do the right thing here? Now I got one left. It's only $5. I could have had 10. I could have had $10. Really, I I mean, why did I do that for? I I should have kept it. Now, that's the non-cheerful giver. The cheerful giver says, God, thank you for giving me the joy of the ability to be able to give that. What a great God you are. Thank you, God. I know you're going to stretch that $5. It's going to go around the block a few times. Thank you, Lord, that your blessing cannot be described in human terms. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And you go home and blessing God and thanking God. And, and then you got another one. Wait a minute. By God, you're so wonderful. You're so gracious. Thank you, Lord God. I want to give more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then, unexpected, another one. Wow. What a great God he is. Oh, God, bless the name of Jesus. Here's another one. Here's another one. Isn't that great? That's not it. That's not over yet. Well, there's more here. Wait a minute. Bless the Lord. I want to give more. I'm giving more. God says, no, 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 it's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's some more. He said, I want to bless you some more. Well, bless the name of the Lord. I want to give some more. That's the world of faith. That's the world of faith. Let me tell you something. Back in 1978, when God began to teach me, because for a number of years, you know, those of us who are trained theologically, they kind of, we train to argue with God. You know, God, you got this. And, and I used to say, God, you called me to be a minister of the gospel. Well, I've given you myself, man. This, this, I've given you everything, Lord. And, you know, if I was out in the world, I would be making five times as much as what I'm making now in the ministry. You know, and I would do that. Ordain minister to the gospel. That's what I would rationalize it in my mind. And God would constantly say to me, Michael, you got you to put the cash in there. Well, God, look, if I was, I said, forget about it. You can't argue with me. You need to put the cash in there. Well, back when God began to teach me this, I will never forget the day in 1978. I was still in school in California. I had $55 in my account. That's it. I didn't even have a good watch that I could sell to make a do. I mean, I didn't. That's it. My tithe was $50. And I said, well, I've got to do it. So I wrote a check. And I said, I'll mail it instead, so it takes a little while. And I've never drawn. <laughs> it takes a little longer that way. But I've never overdrawn. I just don't believe in that. If I don't have it, I'm not going to eat. That's the, I'm down the old school. Don't like credits. Well, I would literally mail the check. And I walked a few yards from the post office and back to my box in the school. And I opened my box. It's not even, not even two minutes between the two spots, and I opened that box, and I get an envelope that was a little thicker than usual, and I just opened it quickly, and here, yeah, $100, $200, $300, $400, $1,300 in cash. I mean, it's a foolish person to mail that much money in cash in the mail at the post office. And I, 
I get this letter, I start reading. I had done a wedding sometime earlier, and they gave me a gift, and I did not expect anything. And it says, you know, to the world, to those who are superstitious, number 13 is bad. But for some reason, God always blessed us with number 13. Number 13 is good to us. Here's $1,300 bills, two minutes apart from staying faithful to what God had called me to do, and He blessed me. It could have taken a day or two or three. I mean, God already knew that. But God won't encourage this small, budding faith. Beloved, I want to tell you, human wisdom says that prosperity comes from accumulating, that prosperity comes from building up, that prosperity comes from hoarding, that prosperity comes from holding on to it. And as the guy said, he said, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. And that's what a lot of people are doing. Ah, but faith says, no, 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 no. Listen, just because some bad apples teaching bad things about giving, don't undermine what the Word of God says. Faith says, I trust in the promises of God. I put anchor in the promise of God. I know that He's going to provide for every need, and I will not be shaken. If you have never experienced the joy of the appreciation of God for a generous giving, you are missing out on the greatest Christian experience that a Christian can have. My beloved friends, listen to me. This is not just good sermon material. This is not just words on paper that I'm preaching to you. My family and I have experienced it again and again and again and again to doubt it. It is overwhelming at times for us again and again to see God so generously replenish what we gave, and we have never lacked in anything. Not one time in the dark days and in the bright days, in the valleys and in the mountains, we've never lacked for a thing. And this is just in this life. I can't wait to get to heaven and see what Jesus has got in store for me. I was telling a friend the other day, I said, listen, I'm in the 10% bracket. He said, you're crazy. He said, no, I'm not. I said, look, there's no, there's no use standing here and trying to tell you about generous giving and I practice it in my life. I have five people in my accountability group who see my tax returns. So I'm not telling you something that not others can testify to. God expresses His appreciation to the generous giver by having a soft spot for them. Secondly, by abundantly providing for all the needs, not just financial needs, not just material needs, but all of their needs, all of the time. Thirdly, He will be glorified in and through them. Verses 11 and 12 and 13. How? How is He going to be glorified? See, when others get blessed by your sacrificial giving, they're going to bless God. They will glorify God. That's what Paul is saying here. And guess who gets the credit? You think God should get the credit, but Paul said, you get the credit. (laughs) The generous giver gets the credit. I don't have to tell you this. If you look at the media today, look at our society today, look at the generation that's come. I mean, you think the whole world is like a, a spoiled brat. Am I right? They're thankful for nothing. They think everything owed to them. And I often wonder, 
How much that grieves the heart of God who blessed us all. How much that attitude grieves the heart of God. And here Paul makes a point that most people miss. I don't want you to miss it. Look at it, verse 13. Don't miss the point here. He says, because of the proof given. You say, what proof? What proof is he talking about? He's talking about the proof of genuine salvation. That's what he's talking about. Paul is saying that genuine salvation is proved in generous giving. Because genuine salvation expresses itself in obedience. And an expression of obedience always, always, always brings glory to God. Paul was getting the offering to the poor people in Jerusalem, the poor believers. Just think about this. All that the Jerusalemite Jewish believers know about Corinth is that it's a city of sin. I mean, Las Vegas wouldn't even match it. It was known as Sin City in terms of reputation. That's all they know about Corinth by the reputation. And this reputation is that it's, it's just a city that is full of immorality. That's a city full of idolatry and, and, and idol worship. That's all they know. So I want you now to imagine their absolute amazement, surprise, and glory to God when they hear that in Corinth they're not only believers, but they're believers who are generously giving to stand with them in their times of trouble, in their persecution, and they're upholding them, and they have brothers and sisters in Christ in that sin city. And Paul said, their thanksgiving, imagine their thanksgiving, and the glory that they are giving to God because of the generosity of the Corinthians. God expresses appreciation to His generous children by having a soft spot for them. Secondly, by abundantly providing for all of their needs. And thirdly, by being glorified in and through them. Fourthly, by answering the prayers that are offered on their behalf. Look at verses 14. And 15, verse 14 particularly, he said, And in their prayer for you, their hearts will go out to you because of surpassing grace God has given you. You know, sometimes we who are rich, and everybody's listening to me is rich in comparison to the rest of the world. We who are rich sometimes fall in the temptation of saying or thinking, What can a poor person do for me? What, what can a poor person give me. And they're poor. They, they can't do anything for me. And Paul said, don't ever fall in that temptation. It's a dreadful temptation, he says, because what a poor believer can do is pray for you, and you'll be blessed because of their prayer. That's what he's saying here. He said, the prayers of the poor in Jerusalem are the very blessings that the rich in Corinth are receiving back as a result of their generosity. When they pray for you, you will be the recipients of the answers to their prayers. That's the fourth way in which God appreciates His generous children. And then in the end of verse 15, he gets excited. He says, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Only those who truly value God's indescribable gift in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will understand the joy of generous giving. 
My beloved friend, I want to tell you, if you have never received God's greatest gift, salvation, through the shed blood of His Son, He wants you first to receive His gift, because you cannot be generous with God until you understand, until you value what it means for your sins to be forgiven, what it means for you to be assured of heaven, what it means for you to know that your future is already determined you're going to be in eternity in heaven. And that's God's gift to you. And if you've never received it, you can receive it today. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, give me the gift of salvation. I repent of my sins. I put my trust in you. And God promised that He will never, 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 never turn anyone down who would ask for it. Father, what an honor, what a privilege to know you. Father, what an honor and a privilege to be called co-workers with Christ. The little that we give in relationship to what you have poured upon us, Father, it's almost embarrassing. We bless you today. We praise you, Father, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your lavish blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.